top five anything just gives me anxiety, to be very honest with you. Yeah. <laughs> that I'm like, What's up, listeners? Welcome to this Force 5 mini episode. I am your host, Jason Kleberg. This will be a short intro because this is a pretty dense bonus episode. It's basically part two of last week's discussion with the cinematics as we talk about our awards for 2023. We're going to have categories like best male and female performance. We'll have best piece of non-movie entertainment, funniest movie, just all kinds of awards. So sit back, enjoy the best of 2023 as we put a button on this year. One more shout out to Eric Bruce and Greg from the Cinematics for hanging out with me while we recorded this. The entire recording ran like two and a half hours long. So after you listen to this, please go listen to their show, Cinematics, which you can find anywhere you're listening to Force 5. They recently did an episode where they had a collective top five for 2023 and highlighted some films that we didn't bring up. So please make sure to go check that out. Before we get into our awards, I did put the call out on Twitter to find out what people's favorite films of 2023 were that we may have missed. We got a couple of really good recommendations over on Twitter. So Overly Honest Reviews, at Overly Honest R, said, Without question, humanist vampire seeking consenting suicidal person. And I said, I replied, I had never heard of this movie. And they said, I was lucky enough to see it as part of the Venice Film Festival, although its U.S. rights have been bought by Drafthouse Films, so hopefully we'll hear something soon. So I'm pretty excited for that. Your next favorite movie at YNF Movie Pod, another great podcast you should listen to, said The Iron Claw, which I still need to see. At Melody Ann Haas said the creator, the world needs more good sci-fi movies. Jackson Boren at Jackson Boren, past guest of Force 5, twice past guest of Force 5, said my number one no question was past lives. At DT Masterson said linoleum. At Dissect That Film, Godzilla minus one. At Perpetual Cinema, another past guest of Force 5 said anatomy of a fall. Another past guest, David Rosen at Piecing Pod from the Piecing It Together podcast, which again, you should listen to, came with uh, John Wick 4. Peter Bader from the Middle Class Film Class, a three-time guest on Force 5, said Godzilla Minus One, another great recommendation there. Joe Bridges from the Cinematics Facebook group said, Are you there, God? It's me, Margaret. At Movie Blog Merck said, No one will save you. Yeah, that was a good one. Chauncey Talese said, Oppenheimer, sorry I'm boring, but I loved a lot of movies in 2023. You're not alone, Chauncey. A lot of people loved Oppenheimer. And finally, at Daniel Clardy 3, Daniel said, The Killer from David Fincher. All right, let's get into our awards for 2023. We're going to start off with our award for Best Male Performance of 2023. Eric Holmes, who did you think had the best performance? I got two in both these categories. Um, I'll I'll just rattle them off. Uh, One is Jamie Foxx and They Clone Tyrone. Uh, so he's the funniest uh, person. I, I love his character. I love the way he played him. And then uh, the other one is uh, Scott Atkins in John Wick 4 as Killa. Uh, it's just uh, did, <laughs> like Scott Atkins is just an underrated actor in general. Uh, he does great action, but like he can pull off all sorts of interesting characters. Like anyone that's seen the Undisputed movies with him as Boyka, that's like one of his best characters. Until John Wick 4 came out, and then he just blew it away with uh, his character in that. So, uh, yeah, Scott Atkins and Jamie Foxx. 
I was a little disappointed with uh, Scott Adkins being in a fat suit in that movie because he just didn't need to be. I, I wish they would have just let him be Scott Adkins. Yeah, but I, I don't know. I think it, it kind of worked for me because it was it just kind of, you know, kind of like when uh, 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 Alex Winter in uh, Destroy All Neighbors just like loaded up with makeup. I'm like, yes, more of that. The, the more unrecognizable you are, the more I love it. But well, in, in this in this case, anyway. And unlike most people in fat suits, it's not a, it's not like a, a shallow howl kind of situation where they're disparaging fat people. Like yeah. he's, you know, Scott he's still Atkins a badass. Just, he's still yeah, Scott Atkins. Exactly. He, he's not like a slovenly character. He's kind of actually he's basically a mob boss. So yeah, it's good stuff. Jason, don't ever question Scott Atkins in front of Eric. He's going to do an anatomy of a fall across a you know, cross exam with you. Okay? Just Exhibit A, Scott Atkins. No, just kidding. <laughs> My best male performance is kind of obvious. Killian Murphy for Oppenheimer. Oppenheimer didn't make my top 10. He's so great in that role. I don't. I, I think he might win best actor for that. And I think it's well-deserved. He, he pretty much carries that movie. Obviously, there is that bomb, but I, and there's a Nolan visuals and whatnot and production design, but without a great performance, that movie wouldn't work. I think I'm going to go with... I had a, that was a hard time with this one. I'm going to go with Andrew Scott in All of Us Strangers. I think he has to do really subtle work in that movie. Uh, and the movie... That movie, without great acting and a subtle touch as far as directing goes, I don't think that movie would work. It could be ludicrous. So the fact that he just gave it such, um, I guess, grounded nature to it, that it's amazing. I think it's really good. I really need to see that movie. My best male performance, I was, I think that Paul Giamatti should get the Oscar. That was probably the best performance of the year. I loved Ryan Gosling. I thought Killian Murphy was, was good in a movie that didn't make any of our top 10 lists with Oppenheimer. And I wanted to shout out one more that I don't think will get an Oscar nomination, but really he deserves one. And that's Glenn Howerton from the movie Blackberry. Yes. He yes. just, he's so good in that movie. And it's funny because he, he gets more Canadian as his temperature rises as that character. <laughs> like he just starts screaming and yeah, it's like Dennis Reynolds, basically a bald Dennis Reynolds from always sunny, but I love always sunny and I love Dennis Reynolds. So give me more of that Glenn Howerton. He's great. All right, um, best female performance. Okay, uh, I got two here, and the the uh, female actors here are both in movies that could have made my top ten. Uh, just list in general, but they get to be represented here, so I was able to take them off the list. But uh, uh, first one is Esmeralda Camargo. Uh, she's the lead in this movie called Marisol. Uh, Marisol is about a uh, um, Mexican girl, and she's. Uh, She's illegal, but she was illegal um, from when she was very young. So she had no idea. And this comes out, and then she's worried that she's going to be deported. So she's got to, uh, you know, they uh, uh, get her with the coyote to kind of get her to safety so she didn't have to be deported. Uh, this is uh, directed by the same guy that did the uh, the documentary, I've Got a Monster, about police corruption. And I, I don't. I don't remember. This might be his first feature because he normally does uh, documentaries, but both his documentary and this movie is uh, great. And Esmeralda as Marisol, she's the lead character, carries the entire movie. And I believe this is her first and only movie. And someone that can just come out right out of the gate and just kill it the way she did is amazing. Uh, another one is a uh, 
I believe she's uh, six years old, Havenly Harris. Uh, she's in a movie called Moon Garden. Uh, Moon Garden's basically a, a little girl in a coma. And so the whole movie is from her perspective in this dreamlike world. Um, and she's trying, like, in her coma, she can kind of hear her parents calling for her. And so she's trying to get back uh, out of her coma, out of this dream world, you know, out of her coma. Um, this... As I was watching this, uh, it, it's uh, directed by Ryan Stevens Harris, who's her dad, um, which made me feel a lot better because there's uh, certain scenes where uh, Haven Lee Harris's character is, I mean, she's she's so young and there's scenes where I'm like, this looks like child abuse. Like she looks like genuinely afraid of certain things yeah. <laughs> uh, when she's happy. Like her emotions just come through so real to the point where I was like, I don't know if I can recommend this movie because this is just child abuse. And then I, you know, after watching the movie, I go and watch an interview with her. It's like, so what was it like doing? And she's like, oh, I had a great time. We're going to make a movie with my dad. And it's like, okay, we're, we're, we're fine. We're fine. But uh, she totally had me hook, line, and sinker throughout the whole thing. And the movie's uh, very strange, very dreamlike, and very good. And a lot of it has to do with Haven Lee Harris. My best female performance, Sandra Huller. Again, for Anatomy of a Fall, just a perfect performance. Just perfectly layered. No surprise there. Mine is going to be uh, Natalie Portman in May, December. I think the the way she had to go from being just actresses showing up there, being her own character, and then you watch her slowly transforming, subtly trying to mimic the <laughs> Julianne Moore character. And there's a few scenes where you see her doing that um, very slyly. And then there's a moment where she does basically a monologue to the camera and she's trying to do it as a Julianne Moore character. It's quite something. <laughs> I think her, her performance in this movie is, is fantastic. Well, I agree with both of you because I had two names for this and they were Natalie Portman from May, December and Sandra Hewler from Anatomy of a Fall. So yeah, another endorsement from me as well. All right, next category is the movie they didn't get. So this is a movie that you thought was awesome but critics, for some reason, did not think was awesome. So, Eric, what's the movie that they didn't get? Well, the scariest sixty first didn't come out uh, in 2023, so we're not going to put that on there. What, what did come out in 2023 was Fool's Gold. Uh, it's basically kind of a similar riff on being there. Um, loved being there. Loved Fool's Gold. Loved Charlie Day. Uh, I had a great time with this movie, and apparently only myself and probably Greg... And everyone else hated it. I, I don't get it, but, you know, everyone's got their own taste. Uh, mine completely falls for Fool's Gold. Is this Fool's Paradise? Oh, Fool's Paradise. Jesus. Fool's Paradise. Fool's Paradise. Yes, Fool's okay, Paradise. I was, I was like, not, not, not Fool's Gold. Okay. Not the Matthew McConaughey movie. <laughs> I loved it so much I mis said the name. But, yes, Fool's Paradise is uh, the Charlie Day movie. Um, I loved it. Loved the idea. And, again, all this isn't being there, uh, which you should also watch. Um, just a, uh, someone that's just aloof and, and just gone, you know, mentally just, uh, I'll do whatever. And they are able to fail upwards because all the people around them just kind of put their own stuff into someone that's essentially non-responsive to anything. And, um, I love, uh, uh, Adrian Brody's character. Uh, he's real funny in it. Uh, Ken Jong, uh, him and, uh, Charlie Day's relationship. Really love that. And. Yeah, it's a good movie. I, I don't know why people don't like Well, I know why they do. They say why they don't. But, you know, they didn't get it. I did. I think Greg did. And so, me, 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 me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right. Fool's Paradise. 
my choice for what critics and maybe some people didn't get is this movie that you might be familiar with, Jason. It's called Suitable Flesh, directed by Joe Lynch. Absolutely love this movie. It's sort of a slight homage to Stuart Gordon and H.P. Lovecraft universe and plum role for Heather Graham in the lead and some great supporting acting work from Barbara Crampton. So if you are a fan of that era of filmmaking, you're going to love Suitable Flesh, but I think the movie stands on its own as a singular experience. So I I loved it as a Heather Graham vehicle. Joe Lynch is an interesting filmmaker. I don't think Eric and Bruce loved it as much as me, so that was one of the things that I was really surprised. And I was surprised that not it didn't get the groundswell of support that it should have received. It did have its supporters like me, and I'm sure you, but I wish there was a lot, a lot more groundswell support for Suitable Flesh. It's certainly one that you have to get on its wavelength with to, to really enjoy it. Mine is obvious, and we already talked about it, so I don't have to go into much more detail, and that's Bo is Afraid. I think it's obvious that a lot of people don't get it. <laughs> Either they just don't get it, or like, I don't get it, or they just don't like it, and that's how they don't get it. So I think they're wrong in both in both situations. But either way, I'm on my island with Bo is Afraid. Sorry. Jason, do you edit your podcast? Are you, you're cutting Bruce's comments on Bo is Afraid on, on both the mini-reviews <laughs> and the top 10, are you? Yeah. <laughs> it's just going to be bleeped out, so it'll be like the bride in the first You should uh, just just just... Just leave out the title to be wondering, like, what is he talking about? What's the movie? <laughs> uh, my movie that critics did not get, but I thought was great, was a movie I went to go see with very, very low expectations. And I walked out really loving it. And that was The Flash. Um, I know that like problems behind the scenes and, and character issues with people and all that stuff aside, I had a really fun time with it. And they brought Michael Keaton back as Batman, so I was I was thrilled to see that. I wasn't as annoyed with uh, Ezra Miller's character as a lot of people were. I had, a, I had a really good time with The Flash. So you felt it really got an unfair shake because maybe of all the reputation that preceded the release, you think all of that bad energy contributed to the overall reaction? Were the actual movies good? I think that's a part of it. I think also a part of it was superhero movie fatigue. And I think the other part of it was just a general dislike for most people of DC movies. And and there are a lot of people that are attached to The Flash for some reason. I've never seen The Flash TV show, so I have no attachment to the character. And I thought what I saw in two hours was really, really fun. I wonder I wonder also how much of that has to do with, because uh, early on people, the or like before, you know, uh, James Gunn said, this is the greatest superhero movie ever made. I wonder if they might have shot themselves in the foot, like saying stuff like that, because it sets the bar so high that, you know, you're going, to, oh, this is supposed to be the, you know, greatest superhero ever made. Let's see what you got versus, oh, cool, Flash movie. Maybe I'll have fun with it. Yeah. And maybe that's why I liked it, too. My expectations were, were pretty low, that especially helps. because I saw the press coming out. And the CGI is bad, but the movie itself, I had a really fun time with. Um, next category here is the flip side of that coin, the movie you didn't get. So this is a movie that was highly rated, but for some reason it just did not connect with you. Eric, what's your film for this category? All right, Jason, don't hate me and hear me out. Uh, Spider-Man <laughs> Across the Spider-Verse. Whoa! Wow. What? Now, this is not a bad movie. I, you know, I like right this. not. I like this movie. <laughs> But uh, both with this and uh, what what was the first one into the Spider Verse? Well, into the Spider Verse, I, I took me like five times to get through that because I kept falling asleep. This one is a lot better <laughs> than the first one. Um, I agree that the uh, animation is really great, uh, but 
people lose their crap over this and like like I, i'm watching spider-man across the spider-verse i'm like yeah this is a pretty good movie i don't see why everyone's falling over themselves for it uh similar to uh rrr last year like like i it, it was fun to watch the the action's good you know there, there's uh elements of it that are really good but like there's people that just completely fell over themselves about rrr that I was kind of surprised. I'm like, what's what's the special sauce that you're seeing in this that I'm not? Like, I I think Spider Verse is a good movie. I just don't know what I'm I'm not tasting the special sauce that sets it above all else to a lot of people. So just to be clear, Across the Spider Verse is a good movie. It's not bad by any stretch of the imagination. I just don't know why it's Eric saying that it's a terrible movie. That's what I'm hearing him say. <laughs> Which has better special what? sauce, Eric? Venom. Or across the Spider Verse, Venom, or across the Spider Verse, which did you have more fun? Uh, I don't know that. that I I like both of them. Okay, yeah, but, but, I'm, but I mean that. Uh... I wanted to trigger Jason for a second. <laughs> yeah, this this is going to take a lot more time to edit now because I'm going to just have to edit not only Bruce's one pick but also Eric's entire performance here. <laughs> performance okay, so, come on <laughs> so you know in, in fairness eric did enjoy the movie and he recommended i believe he gave it four stars yeah i am actually in eric's sentiment not with across spider-verse this movie called american fiction four-star film for me above average movie and jeffrey wright's excellent as this professor and and sort of a mid to almost failed novelist who decides to pander to the audience and write a very pandering or actually popular novel. So it's actually a very interesting movie as far as exploring the themes. And it's been getting a lot of praise. The thing that I find a little bit overrated is the ending to American fiction. It's a really good family drama. So many great things to say about this movie. The ending was way too pat for me and it really disappointed me. I understand why they had the ending, but it went from a fully fleshed meal to at the end it turned into just like a, a three day old chicken tender that's left aside on the side of the road and it just didn't really connect with the rest of the movie. But I would still recommend it. It's still a four star movie, but it was verging on five before that final act, which is not terrible, but it's like I don't yeah. So American fiction, a little slightly overrated for me, but still an excellent film. Like a three day old chicken nugget you found on the side of the road that could be on the blu-ray package for that i guess <laughs> so i just promise i wrote down mine before we did this i did not write it down as we were recording this uh mine is suitable flesh <laughs> so there you go <laughs> um <laughs> which <laughs> i had to look it up it has an 84 percent uh on rotten tomatoes from critics so and a 64 percent from pe- from watchers so it is one I don't get. Uh, for me, I know that everyone says it's an homage to these things and all like, uh, you know, reanimator and all those kind of things. And I look at it and go like, did those people watch those movies? Because I sure did. I watched them when they came out in the theater and this does not remind me of those movies. Um, if to me, it's if you like uh, like a Skinamax movie that has just tin- tinges, tinges of those other movies then go for it. But for me, it just was not hitting the mark. So there you go. For me, it reminded me of those Skinamax movies that, you know, you'd see at a friend's house at a sleepover when you were little. That's, that's where I came into that movie uh, comparing it. I didn't really compare it to the other Lovecraft stuff. 
yeah, if they had sold it to me that way, I might have liked it better because then I might have taken it on those terms. Because if I took it as a parody of those, I might have enjoyed it. But I don't know if it was a parody. <laughs> so I, maybe I missed that boat on that one. Let me amend Bruce's comment. This reminds me of the Skinamax movies I continue to see well into my 50s. That's me. That's me personally. So I still relate to it present. Greg's like, it's like a Skinamax movie or Barbie. He's like, uh, Skinamax movie. <laughs> <That's-> <laughs> Uh, for me, the the movie that I didn't get that everybody else seemed to like was has already been mentioned, but Oppenheimer. Oppenheimer got all kinds of press. It's been like all gotten all kinds of nominations, and for me, it just I don't know. I, I left the theater kind of cold, wondering what I was supposed to get from it. And the the whole hype around this, it was a real explosion. We filmed a real explosion for the nuke, and then you watch it, it just kind of fizzles out, and it's all right. <laughs> I guess that's it. And that's not the climax of the film. You got to watch another hour of the film after that. Jason, would you actually recommend Oppenheimer then? Did you recommend it when you reviewed it? I think I gave it three stars on Letterboxd. And I mm. told my wife, because I saw it without my wife. And when I came home, I, I told my wife, I don't I don't think you're going to dig it. So I, I guess I wouldn't recommend it. So, yeah. <laughs> silence. <laughs> Just like most of Nolan movies, silence. Yeah, that you're was a tough like, one. You're like the emperor in those Star Wars movies, Bruce. What are you doing? <laughs> Feel I, the hate. Join me. The last one I didn't like either. I didn't like Tenet, and I don't. I think I'd probably watch Tenet before I would watch Ot- Oppenheimer again. Oh, don't don't speak too badly of Tenet. Bruce is here. He loves that. Yeah, movie. I really love, it's like I love his favorite one. <laughs> this this is a category that I don't know if we did last year, but I had a lot of fun with non-movie entertainment this year. So, uh, Eric, what's your best piece of non-movie entertainment? This could be a TV show, a video game, music, a book, whatever. So I, I think I misunderstood the assignment. Um, I got like four different ones for different things. I'll go through them real quick. Uh, Blood on the Clock Tower, not a new board game. Uh, it's a social deduction game. But in January of 2023, they came up with the, unof- or the official app where you can go on and you can play Blood on the Clock Tower online. There's a bunch of Discord groups. And I spend way too much time on it, but it's fun. Uh, TV show, Gremlins, Secret of the Mogwai. It's Gremlins. Love it, obviously. Uh, music, Better Lovers. It's the singer for Dillinger Escape Plan and Every Time I Die. If you love metal, it's really great. And a um, board game that did come out this year uh, from Facade Games. You may have seen these uh, uh, board games that look like books. You open it up. It's actually a game inside. Uh, the one that came out this year was Hollywood 1947, um, which is, I guess is more apropos to what we're talking about, just movies in general. This uh, So the Facade Games, they have like that, Bristol, Tortuga. They're like uh, uh, historically bad parts of humanity made into a board game. Hollywood 1947 is obviously the whole uh, blacklist and communist scare. And so in this game, uh, some of the players are communists, some of the players are patriots, and you're trying to make a movie. Everyone's got their uh, you know, director, cinematographer, gaffer, so on and so forth. Everyone's got their special rules and stuff that they can do. And you have to suss out, uh, I'm going to make a movie. Uh, do I make it with Jason, Greg, or Bruce? Um, I'm a patriot, so I hope... I hope Jason's a patriot. Okay, Jason, you can make the movie. But Jason, you're like, hey, 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 I'm a communist. I'm going to make your movie a communist movie. And so that, so it's got a social deduction elements. And uh, yeah, check it out. Play it. It's fun. Awesome. Well, Eric did a ton of homework for this. I am submarining this category because, Jason, I'm going to be honest with you. I was going to say Reacher Season 2 because I received the screener link from Prime Video before January 1st. 
So I would recommend, obviously, Reacher season two if you like Reacher, that Reacher universe, if you read the, I think it's the Lee Childs books and whatnot. Good stuff. I would recommend that. But then to be honest, other than movies, all I do is watch, I think these guys know, watch basketball and football. So that that's it. I don't watch any series work or so. I would, my default would be Reacher season two for non-2023. All right. So um, TV, I would say Beef was great this year. Swarm was great this year. Although I would say I could officially say probably the best TV was Fargo season five, which ended 2024, but started in 2023. So I'll give it that. It had one of the best endings of a TV series season I've ever seen. But the best piece of non-movie media that came out this last year was Zelda Tears of the Kingdom because it's probably one of the best video games ever to be made in the history of video games. And if you haven't played it, you're missing awesomeness. I uh, have not yet finished Fargo, but I have started watching it and it starts strong. I'll just say that. I'm looking forward to the ending because I heard it was uh, really, really great. Another video game that I played this year that was amazing was the RoboCop video game. If you're a fan of RoboCop, there's no other game that makes you feel like a RoboCop than this one. It is super bloody too. Shoot people's heads off, arms off, whatever. And at the same time, you can work a desk job as <laughs> as RoboCop. It's it's so much fun. Eric, you look like you'd never heard of RoboCop, the the Rogue City game. No, I haven't. <laughs> as soon as he said you said that, check like, it out, huh? Oh, I'm, I'm doing that right now. <laughs> I just don't understand how family men like you guys and with a, with a full-time job can actually balance out how you guys were able to play video games because I don't have kids. I'm not married and I, I need to find time for video games too. I don't know how you, what's that secret sauce as far as finding that time. Don't watch sports. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Don't, don't talk to me like that, Bruce. Don't talk to me like that. You said you don't understand. I was helping you understand. <laughs> that's true. That's a good point. The one other thing I'll mention is my favorite TV series of the year was The Bear. I think the one-two punch of the episodes Fishes and then Forks are the best hour and a half of television that you'll maybe ever see. Uh, the episode Fishes is an hour-long episode, and it's a holiday one. And it has so many cool guest stars in there. And it's just a really well-written episode. And then Forks, which follows it, is just top-tier television as well. So The Bear continues to be one of the best TV shows on, on the planet. And if you're not watching The Bear, you should be. What's interesting I was, is I was early on The Bear Train, and then I've waited so long for the second season. And the reason why I never attacked it was I was thinking, it can't be as good as the first season. So was the second season just as good, if not better? I think so, yeah. Yeah, I think so, for sure. Wow. Okay, cool. Favorite non-2023 movie you discovered last year? Uh, this one was tough because, um, you know, we have uh, Google Docs for the movies that we saw. And I know there, there's this thing called Letterboxd. I should probably use that, but I don't. Uh, but Eric, I paid for your freaking premium account. Sign on right now. <laughs> I'm, well, I'm nagging I, I, you about this. I'm nagging you about this, but I'm going to say this. I use it as much as you do, so don't feel yeah. bad. I only have three movies on there. Gremlins, Gremlins 2, and Groupers. Those are the only three movies <laughs> I did anything for. Um, but uh, the so it, it was hard to... Because also there's some movies that like we'll watch for like a, like a Patreon episode or something. And I'm like, oh, sh- did I see that? Because I got, I got old man brains anyway. But one movie I'm sure I did not see before uh, 2023 that did not come out in 2023... 
is uh, probably one of Greg's favorite movies, Project Alf. There's uh, so much nostalgia because I, I love the character <laughs> Alf. You, you think of you think of great like uh, uh, acting actor pairings. Uh, you think of like uh, Robert De Niro and Al Pacino finally getting together for the first time in Heat. You think of uh, 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 Martin Sheen and Alf finally getting together in Project Alf. Like these are things that people have been waiting decades for, and Project Alf finally had the balls to do it because uh, uh, Hollywood's a bunch of cowards and couldn't make a movie previously with Alf and uh, Martin Sheen. Also, Lynn Shea's in it. I mean, granted, for like two seconds, she has one line, which is unfortunate, but yes, love Alf. Uh, A lot of nostalgia, and he's funny. Uh, To some, he's incredibly annoying, but, you know, I also like Fool's Paradise. Sue me. You're a fan, Jason, of Alf, Project Alf? Never seen it. I I was never really into the Alf TV show either. One of the worst movies ever made. <laughs> <laughs> Love you, Eric. Love you, Eric. All right, my choice for as far as non-2023 movie is a pick that is, I, I believe you mentioned this on our Cinematics Facebook group, I forget. It's a Jason Kleberg special, I think. If he hasn't seen it, if you haven't seen it, it might be one. No, I'm sure you, you actually have a copy of this. The Dogs of War, directed by John Ir- Irvin, and it stars... Basically, Christopher Walken is a mercenary, and he's his job is to um, an extraction situation in this African nation called Zangaro. That's all you need to know. Tom Berenger's in it as well, and it's just a very just uh, one of those manly men movies from the '80s that we were used to growing up. That I was used to growing up, but I never got to see it when I was around that time. But I love the Dogs of War, and it was one of my great. Discoveries. I think it's out on Blu-ray, and I think I'm going to, going to actually purchase it as well. It's based on a Frederick Forsyth novel. You've seen this, The Dogs of War, right, Jason? This is a Jason Kleberg movie type. Yeah, you liked it, right? This on my shelf. Yeah, yeah, I do. I have the Blu-ray of it. Eric and Bruce, you need to see it. Uh, yeah, sounds good for sure. If it's as good as Project Alf, I'm in. Um, mine was it was suggested on the Cinematics page by Joseph Bridges. He suggests the craziest, weirdest movies that you've never heard of. Even Jason's probably not heard of some of the stuff that he's suggesting. Um, This is a short from 1972. It's about 25 minutes long. It's called uh, La Cabina. It's actually, the translation is the telephone box. Uh, This is free and legal to watch on YouTube, officially put out there by like the Spanish movie commission or whatever. So you can actually watch it there if you don't want to watch anywhere else. And it basically just is a man in the park uh, I think he drops his kid off to go pick up the bus. And while he's walking through the park, um, there's this brand new red telephone box. He gets inside of it and gets locked inside of it. And then the rest of the movie is the saga, the apocalyptic saga. And I will just say apocalyptic in no uncertain terms that he encounters as a result of being stuck in this telephone booth. It's... um amazing it's probably the best black mirror episode that never happened so uh, if you've never seen this or ever even heard of it i had never even heard of it look up la cabina from 1972 or the telephone box i thought i thought you were going to mention that the other one where you follow the people for a while and they end up getting shot oh yes that's another great one elephant that that almost made my list elephant was my next pick probably on here too elephant the gus van sant movie 
No, Gus Van Zant was slightly, um, he was slightly uh, influenced by this movie called Elephant made for BBC television in like the 90s or 80s. And it's, yeah, it just follows a person walking. They come up to another person. It's during the Irish uh, wars and stuff. Uh, Comes to another person, kills them. And the whole movie is just people walking, killing somebody else. And you can tell how it influenced the original, the new elephant. And a lot of the, a lot of the suspense is uh, when you're following this person, you're like, are they the ones that's going to kill the person or are they the one that's going to just get it in the head? Like, it, like you never know. And then the weird thing is there's so many of them back to back that you kind of become numb to it, which I think is kind of the point of the whole thing. Got it. Wow. Okay, cool. Uh, the discovery for me of this year is one that I thought about bringing up on my show and then I decided to just save it for here because I, I just want to talk about it more and more. And that's Adrian Lyne's directorial debut from 1980 called Foxes. Uh, any of you familiar with this one? That's, that didn't star Christy McNichol and um, Tim O'Neill, right? No, no, it's not. No, you're thinking of Little Darlings, I think. Oh, my bad. Yeah, this is uh, Jodie Foster in the lead role. Jodie oh. Foster, Sherry Curry, um, Scott Bayo's in here, Randy Quaid's in here for, for a minute. It almost feels like Fast Times at Ridgemont High, but without the comedy aspect. It's a real slice-of-life movie for these uh, four girls who are just uh, high school friends in the San Fernando Valley, and it's got a great soundtrack. They just kind of live for a little while, and they try to make it on their own in the world in 1980. And, uh, yeah, I had a really, really good time with this. Jodie Foster is amazing. None of the girls look like they're in high school, but it never bothered me. It was... uh, it was just one of those those kinds of movies from the '80s that you don't really see made anymore. Did it come out on Blu-ray? Um, I caught this one streaming, but I think it is on Blu-ray. I'll have to see who put that out. Oh, very interesting. It was good. Could pair that with uh, Kenny Kenny and Company. <laughs> That's another oh, one we yeah, saw last Kenny year. Yeah, Kenny and is another one I saw this year too. <laughs> Did you like that? Yeah, yeah, I like that one quite a bit. I made that one made a list for uh, my Halloween episode because it's set during Halloween. Funniest movie you saw this year? A lot, not a lot of comedies on our lists. What's the funniest movie that you saw this year? Uh, mine is Smoking Causes Coughing. Mm. Another one that uh, could have been on my top ten that's represented here. Um, it's uh, kind of uh, it's definitely a quirky movie, but there's like so many like bonkers things in here that's like uh you know you have the what were they called the tobacco force you know they basically look like power rangers fighting a power rangers-esque monster and uh they shoot it the family and this kid's looking on like hey superhero team and then all of a sudden they kill the monster and it cuts to the family and they're just being sprayed with blood uh they got uh the tobacco forces their leaders uh uh the general or captain or whatever they are the, the one that basically sends them on all their missions uh he looks like uh alf on crack yeah, it's like a rat puppet complete like <laughs> yeah he's like just constantly like snot and drool everywhere um but like all the ladies are are like oh he's so irresistible <laughs> um just uh uh the a lot of it's in antho- uh, a lot of the movies in anthology uh because the tobacco force are recounting stories they've heard uh one of them uh uh, involves a wood chipper, uh, which is who knew that throwing someone in a wood chipper would end up funny. And the aftermath of that with with a bucket, <laughs> um, yeah, this movie's just bonkers. And a lot of this stuff is just like, I, it's not like a typical comedy, but it's kind of like <gasps> they did that. 
Like it, it, it's almost like a nervous laughter sometimes. Sometimes it's like I cannot believe I'm watching what I'm watching laughter, but I laugh quite a bit. And some of it's actually genuine humor, but a lot of it's very strange. It didn't make my list for top ten, but The Holdovers was the funniest movie of 2023 for me. Just situational comedy mixed in with just deep tragedy. Yeah, just a great mix, and it's what Alexander Payne does best. So I can't quote. Very comedic lines, but upon every watch, I know I'll be continue. I will continue to laugh at certain moments. So the holdovers for me. For me, it is Bottoms. I think Bottoms was the best comedy of the year. Uh, I think it's the heir apparent to, and everyone wants to say like uh, other uh, teen raunchy comedies, but I would compare it most to Heather's. I think that's where its spirit lies. Um, just the outsiders in high school, in a surrealistic way kind of getting revenge on the other people in high school, but it's just sublimely ridiculous. And uh, it's one of those movies I think you'd go back and watch and there's so many funny little asides and jokes peppered into it on top of the regular plot line that I think uh, Bottoms is going to have a long life. I thought Bottoms was really funny too. I said it was Fight Club meets Wet Hot American Summer. It's like those yeah. that really absurdist humor with the flight club element. Yeah, and Marshawn Lynch, Marshawn Lynch was a, a, a godsend to that movie. Just throwing him in there was just a, a, a stroke of genius. Yeah, great move. The funniest movie I saw in 2023 was called Theater Camp. This is about um, just some people going to this little scrappy theater camp in upstate New York. And it's the typical like we have to raise the money by putting this show on to save the camp type of thing. But the characters are all really, really funny. Uh, Molly Gordon and Ben Platt wrote this. Molly Gordon is actually in the newest season of the bear as well, but a lot of people would know her from 21. No, no, book smart, not 21 jump street book smart. Um, she's great. I think she's fantastic. Noah Galvin's great in this. Jimmy Tatro it, it, he plays his typical bro-ish character, but uh, with a heart here. And I, I just thought so many of the jokes hit for me. I love Theater Camp. Have you guys seen Theater Camp? No. No, that's on my list for sure. Yeah, you sh- you How did it, it do when it came out? Did it do well? Well, it went straight to Hulu. It was straight to streaming, so it didn't have a theatrical release, but it should have. I thought it was, I thought it was great. We're, we got two more categories left. We're going to go to a downer first, and then we're going to bring it back up. So the worst film of 2023. I know there were – you guys see a ton of movies every week, and I know there were some stinkers in there just based on from the conversations I heard. Uh, what was the worst movie that you saw last year? Uh, this one was tough for me because, um, like, even the movies I don't like, I can usually find something redeeming about it. Um, but also with this particular one – uh, sometimes you uh, you crap on a movie and it makes people interested, you know, uh, hey, this movie I didn't like for this, this, this. And then someone's listening going, "Ooh, I might have to check it out, see if I hate it as much as you do. But I think this movie is just irresponsible. Um, I think it's boring. Uh, it's definitely a red herring for sure um, uh, in that it starts off a mystery. Uh, only to leave. Usually, you get it like a mystery, and it's like, "Ooh, what's going on?" And then you get further into the mystery, and it's like, "Ooh, now I'm more into it." And then you get further in, and then you get to the end, and it's like, "Oh, that was that that was in." Oh my god, that was so, that was so good, such a good payoff. This movie doesn't do that. It starts off like, "Oh, there's something weird going on," and it, it introduces a mystery, and you quickly find out 
oh, he's just a liar. And then the movie keeps going on. And you're looking at your watch going, when is this damn thing going to end? And then it ends. And then uh, you just wasted an hour and 30 minutes of your time. This is not so bad it's good. This is not, ooh, I did you know, maybe you'll find some, you know, get something out of it. This movie is a complete waste of time. Absolutely boring. If you you watch it at your own peril, I think. And more importantly, it gives uh, it gives voice to someone that doesn't deserve it. Uh, it gives voice to just a garbage human being that um, quite honestly should be stricken from the world. Um, it's the worst of humanity. And what's more important, this worse of humanity, you would think like, uh, oh, maybe it's interesting. No, he's really not. He's just a liar. And he was in a documentary. What's the movie? Mr. Organ. So anyway, uh, Bruce, what's yours? Uh, what's your? <laughs> what's the name of the documentary, movie? Eric? Yeah, what, what's the name of it? I, say, I, I said it. I said it. You I said, said it? it? Okay. Yeah, yeah, so I don't I don't care whether... Mr. People... Organ. So anyway, Bruce, what... <laughs> I, by the way, that documentary it, it's called, it, that it, you mentioned, I love that yeah. documentary. I thought that movie completely worked. I think, I uh, forgot yeah. what I gave it. I probably yeah. gave it four stars. Bruce, I don't know what, what you gave it, but I really, I, that movie worked for me. I thought it was very amusing. And what was a movie that he did, the director did previously to that movie? He, he, did, he did Tickled. Tickled's really good. Mr. Oregon is just, here's a, here's a guy that starts off with like a, a, some parking violation scam. And then, uh. Then they start like, well, who is he? Is he this person or that person? Is he, he says he's a prince, and we're finding out all this stuff about him. Spoiler alert, he's just a guy that lies about what he does. And why does he lie? Spoiler alert, he's just a piece of shit human. There's, there's nothing more to learn from this documentary. I will say this. Bruce, did you, did you, get a, did you like Mr. Organ? Before we get to mine? Yeah, I like Mr. Organ okay. I think it was more about just how he did it and watching our main, uh, the, the documentarian get kind of sucked into his world. I think that was the interest of the movie for me. But I uh, but I get Eric's. He, I get Eric's he just, point he, of view. He fell for a liar. That- 95% Rotten Tomatoes audience score 81%. Would love to hear... Would I, would, think Jason- I would like to rescind my Spider-Man across the, <laughs> across the Spider-Verse and put Mr. Oregon there because I don't get it. I think this movie is just completely boring and stupid and a waste of time. Okay, speaking of boring and stupid, my pick is the pod generation. I love Amelia Clark. She's a mother dra- mother of dragons. Love Chiwetel Ejiofor. He's started 12 years a slave. They play a New York couple trying to have a baby, and they with the new technology... There is a way where you can have artificial wombs or pods. That's why the movie's called The Pod Generation. That's all you need to know about this movie because I think I gave it one star or one and a half stars but on cinematics. But to be honest, this my rating for this is an Oppenheimer. Total bomb. I, <laughs> this is a waste of a movie. I tried watching the whole movie and it was just a miserable experience from the get-go. And my only advice, I think my best advice from this entire episode is do not see the pod generation. All right. All right. Well, I respect both of your choices, but I'm going to counter that with, I think, the correct choice, <laughs> in my opinion. And that was a little horror movie that we watched called uh, Dear David. And I think Greg will support me on Dear David. Dear uh, David, do you think... movie sucks. <laughs> Did I see that? <laughs> Eric doesn't do even you... remember it. <laughs> I don't think Eric watched it. Dear David, do you think that BuzzFeed can make a horror movie? 
The answer no, is no. No, they cannot. <laughs> Don't waste your time. It's a waste of your time. It's it's sad. Oh no, I didn't see no, this. It's just a, yeah, that's I, I, yeah. I'm just as bad as the pod generation, if not worse. Yeah, good choice, Bruce. <laughs> The uh, worst movie that I saw in 2023 is one that I was just incredibly bored during. I think that's the worst sin that a movie can make is to make you bored. Yes. Uh, either it can be really, really good or really, really bad, but don't just be. And this movie was, and it's paint. It stars Owen Wilson oh, playing Carl yes. Nargle, who's supposed to be like this Bob Ross kind of guy, and he's just a tv painter and i thought it was going to be some type of bob ross biopic and it certainly was not it just didn't go anywhere and it has a good cast owen wilson steven root um it just it was such a slog to get through and then when it was over it was just kind of like that was it uh nothing to hang on to i was so bored i'd rather have watched paint dry which i'm sure has been said in many a review i'm sure i'm not original there but it it's true on top of that, like it, it's kind of sending up, like it almost seems like a parody of like a Bob Ross type character, but like they have documentaries on Bob Bob Ross. We know, you know, what kind of person he is, and the, the it seems everything Bob Ross is the fact that he's a painter on TV and has an afro. It's all superficial, so they don't even really play with the whole Bob Ross persona that much. I I, I would co-sign that as one of the worst. Yeah, there was there was another one called "Kill Her Goats," which I also thought was awful. But I think more people would have heard of and, and seen paint. Uh, all right, we brought it down for 2023. We closed out with that year, but let's bring it right back up about something we are excited about in 2024. Eric, what are you dying to see this year? So one, I don't know if it's coming out this year. Um, and that's Project Hail Mary, uh, supposed to uh, uh, star Ryan Gosling, and uh, written by Drew Goddard, based on uh, Andy Weir book, who wrote The Martian. Um, I've listened to the audiobook of Project Hail Mary like going on twelve times now. I love The Martian. Project Hail Mary is better. The fact that they're even making a movie on it is just going to work great with how the how the how the book goes. The movie's going to be fantastic, and it's being directed by the. Uh, uh, Lord and Miller, oh, I believe wow. they're going to uh, direct it. Um, but I don't know if that's coming out this year. Uh, what I think is coming out this year is a uh, directed by Gavin Pallone, Pallone and written by Andrew Kevin Walker. I read this script like over 10 years ago, probably 15 years ago. I uh, just found it floating around online. It's called Psycho Killer. Uh, this was supposed to be uh, David Fincher and Andrew Kevin Walker's follow-up to Seven. Uh, ended up just, you know, the, the, the script was floating around online, got to read it. The script was really good, but they just never made the movie, uh, went through a bunch of directors and I'm looking at, uh, IMDb right now. They got like a, you know, normally it says in production, they have like a, a writer, director, producer, and that's basically it. I mean, they got a full cast and, and produced by cinematography, casting, production, art direction. So the, the movie's being made. I think it's coming out this year. So Psycho Killer, when it comes out, I will be there opening day. Hopefully sooner if they want to send us links. Yeah, my choice, Untitled Alien Movie, coming out later this year, later in 2024, directed by Fetty Alvarez and stars Isabella Merced from, what was that movie she started with Jason Momoa? Sweet Girl? I love that movie, Sweet Girl, from Netflix. Isabella Merced and Kaylee Spaney, Spaney from Priscilla. Anything with Alien, 
I'm I'm down with. So I'm yeah. So I'm excited for that. Obviously, Dune Part Two is also on my list. But basically, I'm all about the Alien movie later this year. I I guess my number runner up would be Nosferatu by Robert Eggers. But uh, on a year when George Miller is bringing us another Mad Max movie, how can Furiosa not be my top pick? So Furiosa with a bullet town. (laughs) Yeah, Furiosa is on the top of my list as well. The other one that I'll mention is a movie that I thought was supposed to come out in 2023 and was delayed for some reason. It's the next movie from Gareth Evans who is uh, probably most famous for his action movies, The Raid and The Raid Redemption, or The Raid 2. The first one's The Raid Redemption. The second one's Raid 2. He's uh, one of the most exciting action movie directors and actually series directors. I don't know if any of you guys are familiar with Gangs of London. Love that. Yeah, it's a TV show that he uh, produced. He directed two episodes of, and they are just some of the craziest TV action scenes you'll ever see. Uh, He directed a movie called Havoc that stars Tom Hardy, uh, Timothy Oliphant, Forrest Whitaker, Luis Guzman, and it's supposed to be out later this year, I guess, now that it was delayed, but it's just about a drug deal gone wrong, and this bruised detective must fight his way through the criminal underworld to rescue some uh, politician's estranged son. So, I, I mean, Gareth Evans, we can look forward to some just insane imagery on screen and probably some really unflinching action scenes i'm excited for that one as well i mean i think he did that one thing on netflix a couple years back i forgot what it was called that wasn't so bad either so with dan stevens yeah i was fine with that i, I know you guys bruce and eric you guys were, might be mixed but I, I was fine with that but yeah I, I like his action stuff and with that we've put 2023 to bed if you agreed with our picks let us know and if you didn't greg has instructed me to tell you all to just email bruce perky directly I hope you watch some amazing films in 2024 and make sure to listen next week as film critic and composer Brian Scuttle and I talk top five movie theater scenes. 